The Backdoor GA Podcast for 2023 is now brought to you by Steed Motor Group. For your personalised vehicle shopping experience, visit stevemotorgroup.ie. We are now delighted to announce our second sponsor of the podcast. Harper Finley are a professional service recruitment company operating nationwide and are dedicated to helping people find their dream job. Joined now by former Galway senior football manager Joe Kernan and Barry Cullinan to look ahead to Galway Armagh this weekend in round six of the National Football League. Before we do that, uh, I'd just like to offer our condolences to everyone involved in Offaly VA and the extended Kearns family on the tragic passing of uh, Liam Kearns over the weekend. A fantastic uh, manager, done tremendous work with Limerick, Leash, Offaly, and in particular Tipperary, getting to the All-Ireland semi-final that year against uh, Mayo. Joe, coming to you first, um, does this game mean a bit more to you now, I suppose, when you previously worked with Galway and they're coming up to Armagh this weekend? Well, I always had a, a bit of a soft spot for Galway, even when I was young, because I've released there and there's a bit of Galway blood in me, so I, I always would have uh, enjoyed watching Galway, I would have supported Galway. But then I went down, I was with Galway for uh, one season and I, I, got, I made an awful lot of friends. Uh, I probably would have liked to stay a bit longer, but... Uh, I enjoyed what I done when uh, when I was there, uh, but it would have took a bit longer. Galway was a wee bit of transition, and they were after winning uh, under twenty ones, and we're looking good. A lot of players coming through, but it, it was a, it was a three year project. But it wasn't easy with the travelling, and 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 uh, I wasn't able to keep the men that I wanted with me uh, in the coaching staff, and, and that was disappointing. But uh, do I regret it? Not a bit. I, I, I enjoyed it. I had a middle lot of friends, and and, and uh, I, uh, I was proud to be able to do it. Just on that, you were getting the plane down to uh, Go Airport, uh, there and plane landing down, and then going over to Lock George for training. What was that experience like? Well, for for, for somebody, um, and we are amateurs in in the GEA. The guy would leave, and uh, a couple of boys with me, John McCluskey, and and and. Uh, uh, my uh, trainer, we'd be leaving and heading up to Dublin around three o'clock. You'd be plenty of time at the airport, but you know, it, it was rushed. The worst was in the morning coming back, uh, because you'd be up at six, you'd have a seven o'clock flight or a half six flight. And uh, I was back home here at half nine when the problems occurred that there was a bit of fog, and I didn't know there was as much fog around Godwell. <laughs> Until <laughs> I started playing, then you were in trouble because you had no car, you had no nothing, and and you were sort of grounded. But wait, wait, wait a second, ninety uh, percent of the time it was perfect. It was a great experience. The fact that there was an airport there, I couldn't have done it otherwise. And I drive down, um, I go down on uh, on the Saturday for Sunday matches or for a Friday and over. So no, it was perfect. And the hotels there, Lock George and. It, it, the Clayton there, you know, there were, there were brilliant hotels and lovely people to stay in and, you know, from that end of it, it was great, but uh, it, it was hard to travel in there. Uh, and just with that, it was 2010, obviously, um, you were with Coy that year. A good league, but probably just then, I suppose, stunned in the championship that year to was Wexford in the qualifiers. Well, look, one of the main problems was, yeah, it, the first division, as always, uh, is great. And to be in that division, you're playing with teams at a, at a high level. Uh, but the one problem we had, the start of the league, Michael uh, Meehan got hurt. And uh, that was a big, big loss. A big... He, he, he was unmarkable as a player, as everybody in Galway would know. But he got injured during the league. And then we got him back for the championship against Lego. And uh, he got a bad injury against Sligo down with the ankle just before half time, and that that sort of put the K wash on it. That we, you know, losing him, like it took two, three minutes to mark him when he went with Adams at the power, the strength, uh, and and he was just one of those great players at that time. But unfortunately, his career was hampered with those few injuries, and we never seen the longevity of the man that there should have been. And he was a big. Lo- were you part of the battle, Barry, on the Joe? Or? 
uh, <laughs> was for a while, yeah. Um, I, I, I had a bad knee, and in fairness, Joe, like, coming in as a new manager, you know, although he said it was a three-year project, Galway, Galway supporters and, Gal, you know, Galway board and all that would probably have been ambitious in where they needed to go and carrying someone that maybe could train some evenings and not train other evenings and probably half it most of the time, you know, in fairness to Joe, wasn't... Um, an ideal situation. So I saw the league and I think we went to New York and at that stage then I made a, a exit stage left. Um, but, you know, I remember we were on holidays actually. Um, a group of us, Finian Hanley and Joe Berg and a group of lads like that. I think it was Aaron Curran that text, text Finian to say that Big Joe was was coming west and, and uh, you know, you have to give great credit to John Joe Holler, and I, I would imagine was there at the time, probably front and centre of 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 getting Joe down and and bringing someone with the, the personality and the the football capacity and the experience and the success that he had, particularly with our man Cross McGlynn, was um it was a, a big bold move for Galway, and as he said, just unfortunately at the time, you know, maybe. You know, we had come off the back for an under-21 All-Ireland and, and the minor All-Ireland and Paul Conroy's time. And I, we just didn't, didn't you know, no, to no fault of Joe's, I think the, the couple of years previous to that, we just hadn't kicked on and, and trying to make an impact in one year. It was very, very difficult. Um, and, and who knows, if, we, if we'd have got a couple of more years, what sort of success we'd have had. But there was a lot of chopping and changing at the time. And I think, um, you know... It, it, it kind of, when Kevin Walsh came then, after a couple of more managers, Kevin Walsh came and he, he steadied the ship and, and probably because things had gone so bad, no, probably no one else wanted the job. So Kevin Kevin had that kind of freedom where he could kind of have, you know, row his own boat and, and find his own feet and get a couple of years in charge and, and rebuild. And, and I think he... He deserves a, a huge amount of the success, or a huge amount of the credit for for the success that we're having now. Um, I think he put in great foundations, and and Porrick and these lads have, have come in and kind of, you know, developed them even further. And we're now probably one of the top two or three teams in the country. Just with that, Barry, um, on Joe's period over going around twenty ten, it's safe to say the players were definitely there. Like when you look at the squad, um, and you're looking at the team. But you mentioned there chopping and changing and you hear some ex-players maybe talk that maybe Goa didn't move with the times and we're still trying to, I suppose, play this, uh, I suppose, ultimately try and, I suppose, just kind of shoot a team out and score more than the other team, really. Was was that really the struggle maybe with Goa were at that point? Yeah, yeah look... <clears throat> Yeah, you can argue that um, that the players are there, but I think results results say otherwise. To be honest, um, I think you know Joe hit the nail in the head in terms of you know Michael Meehan. You know, was everyone knows his footballing capacity. He was just he was an exceptional footballer, but off the field and in training and in the gym and his standards, he, he drove everything. And and I was lucky enough, um, kind of, I suppose piggyback off Michael for for a long time uh you know minor Sigers and 21 and a couple of senior a couple of years a senior and you know he just drove standards and everything and unfortunately his injury probably you know to what to might have the footballers there <clears throat> um but maybe for my generation um the guys that were there that had already done it the Porricks and the Joe Bergens and these lads you know they 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 gave it socks but maybe for my generation no one else stood up and took that mantle when, when Michael kind of, um, you know, got injured or, or wasn't around. And I think, um, you know, the, the blame would have to lie fairly and squarely at, 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 our, at our age group. And um, we never kicked on. And, and unfortunately, I suppose it, it bypassed us to a certain extent. And then, you know, we now have a new crop of players who have taken on the mantle and are showing, you know, the John Daly's, the Sean Kelly's and these lads, huge leadership, huge ability, huge willingness to learn, huge willingness to train and improve. And that's what has Galway where it is now. And Joe, ultimately, in the end, as you talked there, it was a three-year term you were hoping uh, for yourself. Ultimately, was your decision just to leave in the end of 
not being able to, I suppose, keep that care the management team on? In fairness, uh, anybody that does management, yeah, yeah, you're judged on results and you're judged on what you do. But I learned a long time ago, if you can't do it your way, you better not do it. And I wasn't allowed to keep uh, Paul Hatton, the strength and conditioning coach, which Barry will tell you was an unbelievable fella. He worked with Rolster Rugby and I, I sort of kidnapped him during the week down to Galway for training and nobody knew about it until we nearly finished. And John McCluskey was my right-hand man. Now, to start off another year without them men, uh, I was putting awful pressure on myself and the players, I knew the players had confidence in the two men who knew what they were doing, they were after doing a year's work. And I sort of would have been starting from scratch with people that I didn't actually know. Uh, and even though I, you know, I, I had selectors from Galway, which was great, but those two men were the men that were going to get the hard work out of the players and, and turn those players around from uh, to supreme athletes that were going to be able to play this fast, uh, strong game that we wanted to play. And we wanted to play the Galway way and, and the Armagh way, which was a kicking game. And, uh, but as I say, the injuries, and that's another way to get in, get injured. I had a lot of time for it. People said there was problem with Nicky, Nicky Joyce. Nicky was actually, had a good year and he got injured coming up to the, the Slexford match too. So that was probably two of your best forwards gone. So you were, you were in trouble. But uh, no, uh, the main reason was that I couldn't stay on. And, and, and as I said, everybody in Galway was so good. As I said, I shook hands on the way out and I shook hands on, I shook hands on the way in and I shook hands on the way out. Uh, and and I still would feel a wee bit disappointed that I didn't stay on and I didn't do the three years because there always was potential there, as as uh, Barry said there. And, and now to have a squad that uh, can compete with anybody and, and weren't lucky last year. Does that surprise you that it took that long for, I suppose, going to push on and get to a level now of competing? No, it doesn't. If you look at, you know, right, take Kerry and Dublin out of it this last 20 years, or or even Mayo, who have had a fairly consistent a, a group of players coming through all along. Now, whether they're doing something different than the rest of us, but like Derry come back there after winning, after winning nothing for 25 years. And, and, and that's what happens. When you go down the slippery slope, you go down it very quick and it's a long way back. Whereas if you can maintain the high standards that Barry talked about there, that, that the Michael Mahan's had and, 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 and the Dublin boys and the Kerry boys have, you know, and we had an AMR for a while. Uh, and, and, and now we're back with those standards, but uh, it's, it's the way you play the game then. You know, I still think that people are getting caught up and over-defensive. Uh, I like to see three forwards up the field at, at all times. Uh, and I, I think some of the managers now have to be a bit braver and trust your defenders and trust the hard work from the midfielders and leave these few boys up, up front and, and then you'll see a more open game and, and a more of a kicking game. And all the players, the skillful players, can still show all the skills that they have. This weekend it is uh, going Irma Barry in the light grounds Saturday evening at five o'clock. It's safe to say with the way the league table is at the minute, uh, Go is sitting on six points, Armagh sitting on five and you're looking at the relegation zone, you've done it all on three, Monaghan on four and just Kerry and Tyrone, both of them are four. So like both of these teams aren't mathematically safe yet and they want to get a result this weekend to ultimately be safe and then you're thinking just back to last year when Go played Armagh game of the championship without a shadow of a doubt and with what's at stake this weekend you, you could really expect both teams to properly go for it yeah well we're coming you know we're, we're certainly I saw an interview with Henry Shefflin um, after the hurling game at the weekend and he spoke kind of about how the uh, the kind of cloak and dagger stuff of the early parts of the league is now probably over, particularly in the hurling. And I think it's going to be the same in the football where you're going to have to get guys on the pitch and, and looking towards building your 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 strongest 15 and getting game time into them, not just into the legs, but into the systems and into the brains and, you know, knowing how to play, what, what Porrick and Kieran McGinney are looking for. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, you're talking about the athletic grounds and I think, you know, to me, I'm I'm heading up Saturday with with Galway Bay and and um, 
really just really looking forward to it and it, because of you know i think there isn't a, there isn't a county in the country maybe some you know dr cullen park and carlo is fairly similar as well but that wouldn't like the athletic grounds it's it's the perfect size it's a good location it's compact it generates a fantastic atmosphere and for a home team it's exactly what they want in the league um and it'll be it's a huge it's a it's a huge benefit to our man when they play up there um but what it is also and what sunday will be is a brilliant learning for galway um or saturday evening will be is a brilliant learning for galway so it's it's you know you listen to andy farrell talking about stress in the irish rugby team porrick and mcgini are the same with their teams they want to put them in situations where they feel under pressure and there will be no greater pressure in the league campaign this year for the bunch of Galway lads than in the athletic rounds at five o'clock on Saturday evening because I can guarantee you McGinney will have these lads primed and ready for battle because he'll see it as a, a really good test, a, a, you know, a really, really good test of, of where his team are and um, will want to put Galway on the back foot and, and lay down a marker that come championship if Galway and our man meet again, then you know, he'd be looking for the upper hand. But, in saying that, Porrick could be in the same posi- same position. He'll want to win. He'll want to put down put down a, a marker for where this Galway team is. So for me, it's it's building to be a really really intriguing clash and one that I think will be uh will be well worth watching. So much at stake as well, Barry. Because like even if you're looking at the table, the winner could find themselves in contention for a place in the league final, and the loser could find themselves in a relegation battle. Yeah, but it's very tight now. Galway probably, you know, the win against Monaghan has probably put Galway in a good position in that if it comes head-to-head, you know, they'll have that over Monaghan. Um, all teams, like Bar probably Mayo, every other team is, is yeah. you lose your last two games and end up in six points, you're probably in the mix for, for, for the drop zone. But, like, I, that's not really going to be in their head at this stage. You know, if that happens, that happens. It'll be unfortunate, but they They'll, they'll accept it and move on. They're 100% focused, and Joel, Joel alludes to this, they're 100% focused on, on right now when they hit to Lock George, if they're training this evening or Thursday evening or whatever they're doing, will be Armagh winning and trying to come up with a system to, to make sure that they can do that. Joe, talk to us about the athletic grounds and how special of an atmosphere it is today. Uh, the athletic grounds is one. Of, it is a special ground. I remember years ago, Barry talked about the compact nature of it is, and we used to call it the cot. Uh, the supporters are in and happy. They're very close to you. You can nearly hear individual supporters telling you whether you are you are having a good day or a bad. But it's it, it, the work that's been done and the renovation has turned it into one of the, one of the best uh, grounds in Ulster. It's big enough. It holds eighteen thousand people. Uh, there's good there's good transport roads in and out of it, so the town empties fairly fairly quick. But as a pitch, when you when you come out, you, you feel you're in that cauldron, uh, and 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 you can, you can feel the support behind you. The like guy go to all the matches, and you have to be in in the ground an hour and a half or an hour and forty five minutes, or you won't get a seat. You know, I'm a I'm I'm a stickler for being there early anyway. And it drives the boys and my wife mad at times. Like one day, one of the boys kept me late and I finished up I'm at Rome last year and I was behind the goals at the top end of the field. And, you know, uh, so uh, the crowd have gone mad. Uh, the expectation from Dama supporters, uh, I think it's putting a wee bit of pressure. Kieran wouldn't admit it, but it's putting pressure on the enthusiasm to have for this team and the hopes to have for this team. But we're going to have to start doing it. We're good enough. Uh, we we proved we're good enough probably to stay in Division One, which has been great. But now it's coming down to Championship time. The next two games is going to decide uh, who's going to start, uh, and the fact that if we can stay in the first division, that'll be a bonus for next year for the squad that's there next year. But coming into the Championship now, we need to stay there to give us a lift going into the Championship. Now we have an easy, easy enough draw in the Championship. In Ulster sometimes there's none of them easy, but we have Antrim first and then maybe Cavan second. Now, that could be could be sticky, but uh, we have a chance of getting to an Ulster final. So it's important that we finish the league, uh, stay in the Division 1. What does, that, does that have to be the goal for this Armagh team to win Ulster this year? 
I personally, I think it has to be. We need silverware. We're on the go now. There's been a fair bit of building on this team. There's eight years put into them. You know, if you go another two years, we'll be starting to rebuild again. So I think now, now the time is right, and we, and we have the players, especially up front. We have forwards now that would match anybody in the country, and we need to be able to take the shackles off and say, let's go for this. And you know, there's going to be times in the matches. The match last year in Crow Park. We were outplayed, and you know, when people get carried away in Armagh, but the great game it was, with 10 minutes to go, we were six points down and, and we're gone. We weren't looking like winning. And we got a couple of fairly lucky goals near the end, and then it went to injury time, and then it was head to head. But we're not far away, but we just need to take the shackles off and believe that, that we can do it. I just want to bring Barry back in there. Before I do that, Joe, um, with this Armagh team, we've seen them throughout the league drop off on opposition kickouts. Everyone, all 15 players. You talked there how you want to see two or three forwards up all the time, but at stages this year, we haven't seen that with our man. Does that frustrate you watching on? Well, I, I'll tell you how frustrating it is. We were playing with the win against Roscommon. We lost the throw-in and picked the ball wide. And when we were kicking the ball out with a gale force win, we had 15 men behind the ball. Now, if we are going to win that kick-out, and with a gale force win, we had nobody to kick it into. And that's the frustrating thing that I see. We have, we have, we have Supi Campbell, we have Rian O'Neill. Uh, you know, we, we, we have two of the best forwards in the country in there, and we need to get the ball into them. Uh, who else is in there? Uh, Andrew Monaghan. He's one of the best catchers of a ball. You know, he hangs in the air and he's ideal for somebody to play off. You know, and he caused any defender's problems. And, and, and I, I believe if we played three men in, one on the edge of the square, one on the D and one on the, on the 50-yard line, that position would have to leave at least, at least three players back, probably four. The goalkeeper won't be coming up on a run, won't be coming out at all. So that means then that if, if we win the ball in our defence, we have space to hit a ball 50 yards down the wings where the defensive team, say Galway, this weekend, won't want the ball going to the wings. They won't want space. So to me, you've got to take chances in defence to make sure that you make good opportunities up front. And, and uh, that's, that's the way I would like to see it done. But Kieran has his own plans and fairness to him. They've worked awful hard. They're as fit as any team in the country. Uh, and But I, I still think there's more in us if we were a wee bit braver. Barry, with Galway this weekend as well, it presents a different challenge for them, especially coming up against Ethan Rafferty and the challenge he presents. Yeah, like first and foremost, like he's a, he's a brilliant footballer, you know, Um I would say his kickouts, he has he has really worked on them. And I would say <clears throat> they've probably evolved that Joe. Have they probably evolved the Ethan Raffley role this year in that he seems to be coming coming attacking a little bit more, you know, to was last year when it kind of first started, he was coming a certain distance and offloading. Mm -hmm. Now he looks like he's trying to get on for scores. And I think that's a that's a big challenge for Galway in that how do you how do you actually counteract that? Now look, last year they 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 Damien Comer was uh was looking in, you know, what what happened for him. And they'll be looking for turnovers and trying to put doubt in his head, but also looking to try and expose it in that, you know, the reality is if he's coming out, someone has to mind, someone has to mind the house. You know, they can't have every player up and even absolutely no protection back there. So they'll be saying, well, look, let him have it if he wants. I would imagine this is maybe something they'll say, let him have it if he wants. Let's get turnovers. And let's put doubt in their head at the back and it could create space up top for us. And I think Joe's right, and I've said this on here, I think it's yourself, Paul. Like Galway are trying to do what Joe has spoken about in terms of keeping keeping people up top. They're not doing it all the time. I'm not gonna gonna claim that. But they certainly try and keep Damien Comer and Rob Finnerty if we know Damien won't be there on Saturday evening. But when Damien was there, they were trying to keep Damien Comer and Rob Finnerty up top as much as they possibly can to try and get ball, when they do turn turn over, get ball up to them, because it is frustrating. It is something that uh, supporters and even managers, like, and you see Roscommon in the league this year, Paul, turned Galway over a good few times, broke at pace, got to halfway, and had to turn back. 
And and I'm, like I've said this over and over again, I said on the radio, go is that Gaelic football in a lot of ways is now becoming like basketball. So it's everybody defend, everybody attack. And until someone comes up with something different to try and expose that, you know, Kerry did it last year. They kept David Clifford up as much as they could. That they, they went long. It caused Galway problems. And I'd be really interested to see this on Saturday evening. Do Armagh revert back to that and say, look, we had huge success when we went long against Galway in the last 20 minutes or 15 minutes in Crow Park. Let's let's try it again. Let's bombard that Galway full back line with high long ball and see what happens. And uh, it'll be a good test for Galway if that does transpire. Barry, just with that, like in your talking about the athletic grounds this weekend, that can easily lead itself, I suppose, to players just kind of moving out the pitch and probably become very bunched, I suppose, just with the nature of how tight the ground is. You probably don't feel you're as bare out and it probably could see teams maybe not having an outlet up at stages. Yeah, no, again, they'll have discussed that. They'll they'll know that that the dimensions probably no more than any pitch. They're not as big as Crow Park. So they'll be looking at keeping width. They'll be talking to Johnny Heaney and maybe Matthew Tierney, if that's who's in it, um, or, you know, whoever the other wing forward is, that they're keeping it wide, they're keeping space, they're keeping that out ball. Uh, and maybe, you know, Galway now have, you know, it's, it's, it's no secret that two wing backs drop in front of their full back line and the two wing forwards, uh, you know, drop back. So they'll be saying, look, if we can get all of those players back, fine. But maybe let's get someone if Shane starts, let's get him holding on the D. Um, you know, he, Is Shane start this again? I would say he will. I'd say he'll probably have to. Um, you know, he was kind of on the periphery of periphery of it against Armagh. Um, I would imagine, you know, I I I I don't really know, but I would imagine that um I would I would imagine that Armagh will put that uh Joe, you know this Shrinking Violet, James Morgan will probably pick up. Uh, James Morgan's moment from what I hear. It'll okay. probably be Faulkner. Okay. Um, Paddy Burns. Uh, then those two, the, 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 but Faulkner will be the another Shrinking Violet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so I'd say if they could keep Shane on the forty and maybe Rob Finnerty at full forward, keep the boys, you know, keeping 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 plenty of width on it in the wing, uh, your two wing forwards. They'll, they'll, they'll create enough chances up top, I think, yeah. The, Barry, just before we bring Joe back in there, you talked about me playing Shane Walsh out the pitch. Peter Cook looks like he'll be gone this weekend, obviously, with a sending off against Monaghan. With Damien Comer fit at the, uh, sorry, injured at the minute, they're, that position in with Robert Trinity, it's kind of up for grabs if you're looking, really, because... There's been a lot of players who've got a chance, particularly in that position. I suppose Owen Trinity is injured now as well, which there definitely is a chance there for someone, but no one's really seemed to grab it, grab it too much yet. No, and like, you know, for Ian Burke, the game probably has changed dramatically since he was involved and, and since he had a, a brilliant year with Galway, was it 2018, 2019? Um, and and it, it, things are a little bit tighter up there where he's not getting the freedom for popping off ball and there's different expectations in that role as well of tracking players and tackling and you know, really, really, really been uh, been strong and defensively as well. So he he probably hasn't had the success that he would have hoped for when he came back in. Desi Keneally has has been good at times, you know, struggled at times, got got game time and and been left off. So as you said, no one no one Finnerty is a broken hand, I think. So no one has really put their hand up and and grabbed that other spot. Um, I would imagine it'll probably be Burke this weekend. Um. You know, good to have Rob Finnerty back. Good to have Damien, or good to have Shane back. Matthew Tierney in really, really good form. So there is a spot up there, particularly now that you know Finian Olai is not not available either. So there's, there's there's positions there for someone to put their hand up and and grab. And but as you said, at the moment, kind of difficult to know who's in the who's in the best position to do that. I say Sunday will tell a lot, and I would imagine it'll be it'll be Ian Burke in there. Yeah, Patrick Kelly could even be in there as well. It's, it's just hard to know. And Joe, what's your own perception on Galway at the minute? Uh, I think if Galway had everybody fit and were playing... Uh, you see, this defensive game, when everybody comes in, they become... Even Jimmy McGuinness, when he in, invented this game, we put all the blame on Jimmy McGuinness. <laughs> he invented this game, and, and then the second year after he won something, 
The second year, he become a wee bit more adventurous. The first minute, you know, even they got to the final, the first minute they, they kicked two a high ball in and Michael Murphy got a goal. So everybody wants to improve on what they've done. And what Padraig done was stabilise the thing, left themselves harder to beat. But even as last year went on, they, they, they played with more men up, as, as Barry rightly said there. So w while you're trying to be defensive, I still think that you need to be changing and working and improving all the time uh, to break what everybody else is doing. And, and that's why I'm saying that every team should be should play at least two, at least three men. You, if you have 12 men behind the ball, inside their own 50, you see, as Barry would tell you, when there's men behind the ball inside your 50, there's at least three or four of them doing nothing. They're marking straight. And to me, that's not, you know, you've lost one of the greatest arts in the game, which was man-to-man -man marking. And we had a boy in our, in our mark called Francie Bellia, and people used to talk about Francie being slow and everything, but he was a great man-to-man -man marker. He, he got a hand in, you know, he was out in front, his reading of the game was brilliant. Now, we have that many men in the defence, we're waiting for somebody else to do your job for you, and we're all playing safe in the defence. So to me, you got to you got to go back to a bit of basics. Get men that are good at at their job, and 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 be able to break at speed and power or speed and kick the ball that you're getting into the defence. If the opposition comes forward and puts ten men up the field and only have four or five back, they're vulnerable on the counter attack. You look at soccer and look at all sports. You know, uh, on the break, that's where you do the damage. But you, you can't do the damage if you haven't got the man up the field to finish it off. So I think that's what Podrick is now. He's trying to be more more efficient up front and, and get ball up early. Because with the players he has, if Como was back in that, you know, them two boys alone would would and have caused havoc when they're in there. So I think that's what Podrick's trying to do. And I think they'll be better for it this year. Another year in Division 1. And uh, 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 if we into the championship... I think they'll be better for last year's experience. The hurt from last year from losing, and 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 improve in certain aspects of the game. They'll be there knocking on the door again, hopefully. Could you see them in the All Ireland this year? Yeah, but every year you start off, you start off at a low level, and you have to rebuild the confidence, and you have to win a few games. And you know whether they win a contract or not, they can be there or thereabouts in the quarter final at the end of the year they know to have a chance, a good chance of winning the All Ireland. Because the word in Kerry at the moment is that there doesn't seem the hunger there at all that there was last year. Now that would be the boys in Kerry telling you a load of nonsense that come later on then they, they get up to that level again. But you know, I, I think all was in a good place if that if they got rid of their injuries, the, uh, the injury problem improved and and they just tweak a wee bit more up front that they make more chances. If that forward lane make more chances They'll take them. That's a good, you know. That, that's that's the brilliance of them. And Barry, even we were talking there um, about the forwards uh, a couple of minutes ago. Midfield, you're probably expecting the same: Killy McDavid and Paul Connor again. But even with the backs, it's been really impressive how different players have come into the backs this year. Like you're thinking Daniel O'Flaherty and Johnny McGrath in particular, uh, haven't started every game, but even Johnny McGrath coming in the last day. Um, came in really well, Daniel O'Flaherty's came in really well, and then, like, the backs that have just been there, like, everyone just seems to be on the same level, and it just really seems to be a, a, a secure defensive unit at the minute. Yeah, excellent. Um, but the common denominator among all of the changes is that Sean Kelly and John Daly are, are in situ, mm -hmm. Dylan McHugh as well. So they're given that solidity, that experience, um, and it looks like something that, that we, we mentioned this last week in that they're getting loads of bodies behind the ball. And Joel, Joel say this as well, is that like you've lads doing nothing. But the most frustrating thing is you get loads of bodies behind the ball defensively set. And then someone throws in a stray hand or a stupid push and you give away a free and it's things. So Galway look like they're really working on, on conceding the least amount of frees as possible. I think defensively, that's really, really important. And then to me... Like the John Daly factor and and Joe, like Galway go to Armagh Saturday evening, and the man on the line for Armagh was and John Daly. To me, they're they're cut from the same cloth. They're both left footers. They're both, you know, 
cranky at times, tenacious, strong, uh, brilliant in the tackle, brilliant on the ball, and always looking to the front foot. So always looking to kick, always looking to create. And if we can get John Daly involved in the game, if we can get him, you know, to the the optimum level of where he can get to, then we have a really, really good chance of um, a re- not only a Saturday evening of winning, but but as Joe talked about, of, of going on and, and hopefully getting to the latter stages of the All-Ireland. Barry, there you're talking about John Daly being out the pitch at six. He could find himself on Breen O'Neill at stages, just the way Breen O'Neill plays. He go between 14 and 11, but even you're thinking there of a Breen O'Neill and a John Daly matchup, like it's it's worth entry fee alone. Yeah, and and John won't back from that. Like he's he's e- equally adept at defending and and marking and and trying to take a player out of the game as he is being involved in the game himself. Um, you know his big strength is that ability. You know, so he could find himself marking Reno O'Neill defensively, but then when Galway get get a you know Galway get a break or Galway get a turnover, Reno O'Neill drops off, then John Daly will get himself involved in the actual offensive side of things as well. So yeah, like Reno O'Neill and, and I will like I'd be interested to hear what Joe like Reno O'Neill is Oshie McConville's nephew. I'm I'm yeah. right. And like I think that I think that even that sort of thing, like the link that Oshie McConville has or, you know, the love that the Armagh people have for Oshie McConville and that Armagh team, now you have the next generation of those players. I think that's all actually adding to the Armagh focus as well and that people can see that generational stuff. And, you know, he's obviously, uh, Reno Neal is obviously an absolutely fantastic footballer. I would, I would, and again, be interested, he doesn't score an awful lot from play. Um, you often see Reno need five, six points, might be four frees of 45 and one from play. I think to get himself to the top level, so to the Damien Comers, to the David Cliffords, these guys, I think he just needs to contribute a, a little bit more. I think it could it'd be good for Armagh to get to see two, three points from play from Reno Neal. Just on that, yeah, I would agree entirely with you. Reno is one of the most natural other and there's very few players you can play from centre-half to midfield, centre-half forward or full forward or anywhere in the forward, and Rian would fill all those positions. Field ability uh, is brilliant. He can kick with either foot. Uh, his, his reach for going for a ball, either to lay it off with the hand or, 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 or catch it. Uh, he, he's a good engine. He's a wee bit temperamental at times that he's easy, he's easy rattled uh, and... Oshin was definitely better. It took a lot to the uh, rattle Oshin, but there's another boy there who hasn't got a chance yet. He was footballer the year now, man. He plays for Cross, and this isn't been where me Cross had Kane McConville, which is Oshin's brother Jim, and Jim was one of the best finishers ever. This young man is now ready, and I would love to see Rian and him in there together, big and small, and he, he he's very fast. He can kick with either foot. And he's a good finisher. If those two were in there together, a big man, a small man, like Donicky Gooch, you know, all those players seem to work. And because they're related, they'll be a wee bit of, a wee bit telepathic. And 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 if you had somebody good delivering the ball in from centre half forward or, or midfield, I think we could cause a lot. And and that's what I'm talking about. You know, from from Paul's point of view, about tweaking your forwards a bit more to make more chances, you're right about Rian scoring a few more points. But I, I I watch Rian, and the ball doesn't come in, Barry, and that's the problem. If the ball was coming in more to him, one v one or two v one, he would win more ball, and he's very direct if he gets it in there. You know, the first thing with Rian is he, he he's a bit of our sticking plaster. You know, if something isn't going well, uh, out take him out. <clears throat> half forward or wing half forward and then he doesn't be in the positions every defender in Ireland wouldn't want Rian O'Neill on the edge of the square coming out and winning ball and turning and taking you on and putting it in the back of the net you know so uh, I'd forget about the sticky plaster leave him in there where he's going to do more harm and get the ball into him he, he kind of reminds me he he, he he could be this generation's Michael Murphy in that he's big he's strong he's a brilliant kicker of the ball but I, a bit like Michael Murphy, and I was going to say this, you know, if there's an issue of midfield, he had to go to midfield. If there's an issue at centre-forward, he has to go to centre-forward. And I think uh, towards the latter stages of Michael Murphy's career, he was a victim of that. 
and I would just hope for Reno Neal he that doesn't happen to him and they can just say look let's let's leave him at full forward you know if it's go to 11 at times fine but let's try and get him where he's the biggest threat that that they can possibly have agree with you 100 yeah Joe, just on the Armagh injury front, there you talked about James Morgan, who's still nursing a hamstring injury. Connor Mackin hasn't come back yet. Oshin O'Neill's been out now for quite a while, as well as Aidan Nugent, who's been injured. Rory Grugan returned the last day. How are Armagh looking on the injury front? There's still a couple of niggles there. Yeah, well, I, I, there's, I think there's two or three of them hamstring injuries. Uh, Oshin was a knee injury. So that's twice he's had two knee knee problems in the last twelve months. Will he be out for all of this year? No, to say he's back in training now, doing a fair bit of work. I seen him the last day at the match, and he was he was running in and out and up into the stands, yeah, and he looked quite mobile and uh, he was going rightly. But uh, how far he is away from playing now? The problem is coming to the championship. Where are you going to get the games, the competitive games, into your in, into your body to to, to to get you ready for championship? But if we had Arshin at centre half forward. Yeah. I guarantee Ian would be getting an awful lot more ball because he's also a great long kicker of a ball and scoring points from 50 yards. So that would certainly help our case if he was there if Ian was able to stay in. So uh, young Nugent, uh, he's a very good forward vice captain, assistant captain. Uh, he He's dangerous when when, when fit. And, and Mackin in the middle, he was a sensation last year when he came in he got a bad A injury and, and and has been out, but hopefully he'll be he'll be back in now. Uh, be, be. Oh, hello. Yeah. yeah, can you hear now? Yeah. Yeah. No. So you wouldn't expect any of those uh, injuries, to be, uh, injured players, to be playing this weekend, would you? Uh, I'm not in the know, but from what I see. Uh, we would be lucky if someone in Nugent definitely won't, James Morgan won't, Oshin won't. I don't know about Nugent. The hamstring is, as everybody knows, is dodgy. And if you rush it, you finish up losing out for uh, for longer. Uh, I, I'd, I'd be saying it'd be doubtful if some of those would, would, would even come on this weekend. I could be proven wrong with the whole lot. <laughs> if you're not in the know, Joe, I don't know who. No, who is. no Barry, we're definitely not. <laughs> Barry, do you see last year's All Ireland quarter final between Galway and Armagh? Does it play a factor for Armagh this weekend? Um, I, I again, does it play? Not, not, not a, not a massive factor. Um, like I can't see Kieran McGinney, I can't see Kieran McGinney hanging his hat on on trying to trying to get his players riled up to beat Galway because of what happened in the quarter final. I, I, I don't think so. Um, we don't know the little idiosyncrasies of, of what players had to go at what player or you know the bit of verbals or the bit of uh the bit of sledging and maybe that might lead to 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 a little bit of a little bit of niggle but i th i think it's it's what what's going to happen down the line that that teams will be looking at and as i said you know they will be they will be looking to say it, it's a bit like again i know this like when go when kilkenny were at their prime in the hurling if they wanted to beat every team that was a pretender by as much as they possibly could at any at any possible opportunity to keep them down. And Galway will be saying, and Porrick will be saying in his own head when he's chatting to Keen O'Neill and Scan and Divo and Michal O'Donnell, he's saying, like, you know, we bet our mad the last time. This is a great opportunity to beat them again. And just put that little bit of doubt in their head that if we do meet them down the line, that we have an edge on them. And it's the same, like, you know, the Galway Mayo things when Mayo had an edge on us it just made it a little bit more difficult for Galway to get over the line. And then Kevin, when he was there, he got an edge in Mayo and it made it difficult for Mayo. So I think it's what's in the future is going to drive this thing rather than what's what happened uh, what happened in Cole Park last year. Just on that there, uh, we got ourselves in a situation uh, with two or three incidents last year which didn't do us as a team any good. Uh, and, and while there's always a bit going on on both sides, when it happens you once... When it happens to you twice, you question yourself. But when it happens three times, we have the look at ourselves. And and, and certainly... Uh, so are my tendons to go over the edge at stages? Uh, well, sometimes you, you there's things that we don't know about. 
be said and it'll rattle somebody and it's said because you want to rattle them. But I think this is what we have to, what we have to learn this year, that it doesn't matter what is said or what is done, we keep our cool. And, and uh, the best form of aggression is winning the ball, not putting somebody on, the, on their backside or, uh, or, or hitting somebody or losing your cool. And the problem we had, it wasn't the players who, who were in it, it was the players who come in who shouldn't have been there that caused a lot of our problems. And, and there was a few boys were in on a regular basis in the three incidents. Uh, and and it, it made us look bad. It gave us a reputation. And I, I think if the game is tight, and fairly hard, which it probably will be, because of the competitive nature of both counts. I think the referee will be will, well. I'm, the referee will be watching it. Close. I don't know who's refereeing it, but he won't let much go. And uh, our boys certainly will have to be on their guard that they don't do get involved again. So it's a good lesson for us after last year to to to, to be able to come out and 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 play on the edge without doing the stupid things and this all in for one in all in that's a load of nonsense load of nonsense and it, it, it annoys your team as well you know it frustrates them you know what I mean it, and, and you know when it's over then we shouldn't have done that you know what I mean so uh, I hope we, we learn from last year and if we do it'll, it'll do us the world of good it'll help us Barry Port and the management team I'd say are, are probably Excited with this in one way because you have Armagh this weekend and then you have Kerry. It's like it's two perfect games, really, when you consider and potentially maybe a league final, d- depending on how results go. But particularly when they're getting a body into this kind of semi final, like there's you couldn't you couldn't get really two better games to finish this league campaign and kind of tell where your team are at. No, if you're looking for, um, I suppose that periodization of your of your training and your programs, this is this is absolutely ideal. And and he'll be he would love to get to a league final, and then have that. I think is it a three week break into you know get to a league final, give the players a, a couple of days off, probably hit back the Friday evening after, maybe have an in house game at the weekend, and really you know tough week in between, down week into the Mayo game. Like that's that's exactly how he'd love to build this. If they don't get to a league final, I don't think he'll lose an awful lot of sleep over it. You know, he'll just have to extend the extend the plan for a week and and find a way of bringing bringing that intensity into it in in, in A versus B games or or whatever way he wants, or maybe find find someone in one of the other provinces that needs a needs a game. So, as you said, it's a brilliant it's a brilliant lead in for Galway. Um, they get they're guaranteed whether they get to a league final or don't get to a league final, they're guaranteed a nice break into the championship. Um, and they'll be hoping, and like they're they're experienced enough now at this stage, both players and and the management, the S and C fellas, the the coaches, Parik as a manager, all his selectors, the medics, that they're they're well experienced now to know how to prime this for for the Connacht semi final, and that's like that's the biggest game of Gaul's year to date. That Connacht semi final. No offense to Sligo, Leitrim, or New York. Gaul will be expecting if they get there, they'll be expecting to win that kind of championship, put that one to bed, and move on to the last stages of the of the All Ireland. And tactically, really, it presents something different this weekend, which Gaul want as well to see how they can cope, as we talked about when Armagh put these numbers behind the ball. Yeah, most teams do it. Um, Go will be go will be looking. I think I think kickouts again. I I, uh, I think kickouts will be really really important because more often than not teams have to put players out for kickouts. So if a score or wide or whatever it is, if if the team is kicking the ball out, they generally have to set up with a couple of forwards so that if you can win primary possession and and go back to Matthew Tierney against Tyrone when you win primary possession at midfield. Um, it, it just gives you the opportunity to break quicker with less defenders in your way. And I, I think if if both teams or whoever gets on top in that area, and I'd hope Galway will really go after the, the Armagh kickout, if they can win primary possession from there, then it could lead to, you know, creating good scoring opportunities. As I said, like, look at all Galway's league games so far. If they win primary possession around the middle of the pitch, they generally can create a score from that. And, and I don't think Saturday will be any different. See them getting a result at the weekend, Barry. Um, difficult, like, geez, very difficult to call. 
a performance is, is what, what we want. Um, I think if we get that, they're experienced enough at this stage. I haven't been, and, and, and like I know it's, we're, we're a long time on now, but I, I haven't been overly impressed with Ahmad this year so far. Um, you know, I thought that a brilliant year last year. I didn't like. I, I thought the Kerry Armagh game, and like Galway have been involved in some terrible games too this year. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. But I thought the Kerry Armagh game was absolutely atrocious. Um, so I think Galway are probably coming into it with a little bit of better form, um, and I'd hope just with our experience and getting a few players back, I hope that it'll uh, it'll see us over the line. But it'll be it'll certainly be a tight one, I'd say. Joe, would you be recommended on Galway supporters to get into this athletic grounds early? Without a doubt, I'm, I'm looking out at the snow falling here now at the moment, and so I don't know what the rest of the week's going to be like. But thankfully, uh, uh, well, it's not too heavy. But uh, no, uh, if it's going to be a wet night, be there early, boys, because the stand, both stands have filled up very, very quick. Uh, Barry hit one important point there: just the kickouts. We have a habit of not pushing up for the kickouts until the game's near lost, and then we we we, we throw everything the kitchen sink at it. You know, to win, to put pressure on a kickout and win it, uh, you're putting pressure on the opposing team straight away. And even if they win it in the cornerback position, the worst thing you can do is foul them and stop the game and get your man behind the ball anyway. But if you allow the team to win it and get to your half, you know, there's a chance you'll commit that silly foul or, or, or somebody break the lane and get a score. So, you know, I hope we push up, which I don't think we will. And I think that could be uh, uh, to our downfall. But I think it's... <laughs> <laughs> can, can you see your map pulling off a result this weekend, Joe? Uh, if, if, we, if we take the handcuffs off and go for it, yes. And, and that's always been our, our wee worry this last couple of years. It's not until we think we're going to get beaten that, that, that we show our three colours. And sometimes it works and you get out of jail... And other times it doesn't work, and you go away home saying, "Why didn't we produce that? You know, before half time, or or, or or go at them earlier." So there's just that wee nagging question there. You know, if what if we do this? What if we're, we're a wee bit braver? Have we got the players yet? Are they committed yet? You know, everybody's working hard, but it's just that wee thing that hopefully, if we could get it into our heads and believe in it. And sometimes you have to try something and then if it works for you, your whole attitude changes because they think it's not as hard as you thought it was, but it now works and I believe in it and let's let's continue to do it. Yeah, fascinating game. Um, away between Galway and Armand on Saturday evening. Game live at five o'clock, um, live on RTE as well. But, uh, that's all on our show for today. Uh, thanks to Barry and Joe for coming on. No problem, Paul. This podcast is sponsored by Steve Motor Group, Clare Galway, supplying a wide variety of new and used vehicles. SteveMotorGroup.ie, taking the work out of care shopping. We are now delighted to announce our second sponsor of the podcast. Harper Finley are a professional service recruitment company operating nationwide and are dedicated to helping people find their dream job.